0: Amen. I love that song. I love Josh too. <laughs> My man. Thanks for helping us remember who Jesus is in our lives and his spirit lives within us. Oh, And that is our victory, right? And uh, we're going to continue our series this morning uh, in the book of Philippians. And I hope that uh, this morning you will... You know be encouraged by the songs that are sung and the, the prayers that are prayed and hopefully you can have some great conversations as well and um if you're visiting with us we're just really grateful you're here and just hope that you can just see a little bit of jesus in us and and hopefully respond to that and uh grateful to have those of you online as well and i'd like to start with a word of prayer and then we'll just dive into, into the word of god so let's pray well father we are grateful to come together and to sing these songs and just to reflect on how great you are and uh, father that all around the world people are responding to the message of jesus father that we have your spirit within us you gave it to us at our new spiritual birth being born again born from above through the waters of baptism and we're so grateful for that so grateful to hear children's voices honestly I mean, it's just—it's a beautiful thing that just generations can come and and uh, we welcome, you know, all are welcome in, in Jesus' arms, and, and that's so true. And and we we love Jesus, and we we look to Jesus uh, not just to make us feel better, but we really believe, Lord, that that's how we're supposed to live as humans. Um, he showed us the way; He is the way. And I just pray that as we look at Philippians, that we can be encouraged and be challenged, be inspired to walk out of this building more determined to let Jesus live through us. And uh, I offer this prayer to you in his name. Amen. So I'm, I'm pretty bad at titling sermons, just so you know. Um, so... I, I, I just forwarded it on here, but I don't know if it forwarded. Okay, there we go. So, you know, we've been talking about the mindset of the Messiah. That was the message a couple of weeks ago, and Jordan hit on it again. And so today we're actually going to look at some people within the Scriptures that actually, I think, imitate and emulate this mindset of Jesus. And uh, I hope that when you read anything in the Bible that you don't just look at these people and go well, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of superheroes, special, you know, they had special abilities and all that. Let me tell you something. These people did not have special abilities. And we're going to look at some regular down home people like you and me trying to figure out how to follow Jesus in their crazy world. Because the world was crazy back then, just like it's crazy today. It's just a different version of crazy, right? And, um, You know, sometimes it's good to review. You know, John Haynes always reminds me of that. So I'm trying to be a good disciple of Jesus and be obedient. And he says, you know, you should remind people of stuff. I said, okay, let's remind people of stuff. So in case you forgot, uh, the Bible teaches us that that the Philippian church, the church in Philippi was the first church in Europe, really. You know, Paul had gone to, uh, in Acts 15, Paul had a breaking up, so to speak, with one of his buddies, uh, Barnabas and um, you can advance the next one I don't know it's not advancing I'm, in, I'm put, clicking it it's moving here it ain't moving up there I don't know what's up But um, so Paul and Barnabas were, they were tight and they had a kind of a, a, a breaking apart right and Barnabas went one way Paul went another way he and Silas and so in Acts 16 which is maybe you know around about 50 CE right um, that is when he gets to meet a guy named Timothy. He may have met him before, some people think, but Timothy comes onto the scene, and Timothy joins Paul, and then they go, and they end up, you know, going to Philippi and plant the church there in Philippi, all right? Afterwards, maybe roughly about 10 years later-ish, Paul gets thrown in jail, maybe in Rome, maybe in Ephesus, we don't, we don't know, and I don't, I'm not going to die on that hill, right? You can read a bunch of books and figure it out. But Timothy, his his long-standing, by this time, Timothy and him have been together for years. Timothy is with him, helping him in jail. Just to remind you, because back in this day, when you went to jail, you were not given three square meals a day. It didn't work like that. You needed the help of those outside the jail to feed you, take care of your needs, all right? And so... That's what Timothy was there to help him out, all right? So Timothy's right there, his road dog, his homeboy, whatever word y'all use in these days. That was the words we used back when I was younger. Amen. So the Philippian church, they hear about Paul getting thrown in jail. And they're grateful for Paul. Paul came and started the church. So they go, you know what? We need to send somebody. Let's, let's gather some money together. Send it to Paul. Help the, help the brother out. And so they get Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus goes, and he's taken the gift of the Philippian church, and he's taking it to Paul to help him out. But on the way, at some point, Epaphroditus gets massively sick. We don't know what illness it was. Totally, really bad sickness. So he, you know, he gets healed up, and so Paul decides to write a letter, okay? And, and he's grateful that Epaphroditus got healed up. But he thinks, you know, Epaphroditus, you need to head back, man, and let everybody know you're all right, and maybe you need a break, and, you know, you've been doing great, but you need to go back. So Paul writes a letter that we call Philippians, hands it to Epaphroditus, (laughs) Epaphroditus goes back to Philippi, and that's how we get this letter. So that gives you, hopefully, a little bit of a timeline, a little bit of a vibe of what's been going on. Um, But we also get a little bit of a vibe, remember, about what it's like for Paul in prison, Why is he in prison, all right? It wasn't like, you know, jaywalking and whatever. I mean, you know, he was out there preaching about Jesus and people were not happy with that, all right? And so that's what got him thrown in jail. He's defending and confirming the gospel, he says. He's in prison for Christ. And not only did he get, get, does he get thrown in jail for just preaching the word, he's sitting in a jail and he doesn't know if he's going to get out or not. And he gets reports that there are people out there that are preaching Jesus but some, you know, kind of for their own benefit. And what that might have looked like is like, oh, you need to follow, you know, basically like, follow me. I'm, I am a, a really upstanding teacher of, of, of Jesus. Don't follow that guy, Paul. Paul's an idiot. Paul, look, he, look where he is right now. He's in jail. Why would you follow a guy in jail? He doesn't deserve your support. You can support my ministry instead. That could have been going on. And so, Paul is hearing about like, man, people are out there preaching Christ out of rivalry or whatever, out of, you know, impure motives, and here I am stuck in jail, and it's a sermon for another day, but if you open your Bible, you know what he says? He goes, but you know what? Why does it matter? As long as Christ is being preached. Wow. That's another sermon, but that, just sit on that for a minute. Sometimes we struggle. Well, that church over there, that church. Hey, man, well, you know. Preaching Jesus, a lot worse things you can preach. So, you know, give him a thumbs up, at least on that. Now, you might go, think about the context that Paul's in. Remember, I tried to give you even some dates, right? So he's stuck in this jail roughly 60, right? Roughly 30 years, 25, 30 years after Jesus is crucified. Guys, there ain't a lot of Christians in the world. Paul's one of few. I mean, he's out there one against the world, it can feel like. We, we struggle with that in our current culture, especially in the southeast where everybody, bless your heart, Jesus this, Jesus that, you know, we're kind of used to that in our culture. But I want to I say, I, I just was reading this book, some of us are reading it, and it mentions a cultural shift that's happening right now that I think it's actually shifting us back to maybe kind of like how Paul was feeling like, man, this is a hostile place to talk about Jesus, and the, the cultural shift that kind of I think we're in, according to like this book, it's from the majority to the minority. All right? You know, that's, that's the reality of, of, the, of, of the Christian worldview, our values, those types of things, the practices. They're more at odds with kind of this host culture that we're in. I was just talking to, uh, we, we're trying to take a trip to Trinidad. Uh, really go there and serve the church, our sister church there. And I was telling everybody that was coming to this meeting, I'm like, "Don't go down there and get off the plane acting like you got Christianity figured out, because we're from the U.S. All right, we're gonna go down there and teach them how to have church and do it real, do it the right way, because we we Americans, you know." I just said, just so you know, <laughs> the world is changing, and in the, in the United States of America, just so you know, out of professing Christians. We represent 10% of the world. We're in, on the decline. Latin America, about 25%, I think. You know, Europe, like 10%. It's just, there's, we're on the decline, guys. And in fact, Africa is becoming the, the continent where Christianity is becoming more and more, you know, more adherence to the faith. So we're in a different world here, in, in a, even in America. The message of Jesus is starting to not be so received well. It used to be, a, it used to be something honorable to say, a, a fine, upstanding Christian person. Like, that, those words would go together, like, no problem. Like, that was just kind of normal. Good Christian person. Like, you know, that was said as if that's proof that they're upstanding, you know. But that's not so much the case as much these days. You know, I went to Princeton, right? Ivy League school. That, why was it? Uh, Harvard, Princeton. These places were places where people learned to be ministers, these were Christian institutions. And now they are way far from it in a lot of ways. Um, and also, you know, being a Christian, it's gone from widespread tolerance to rising hostility. Where if you start talking about certain beliefs that you feel are Christ, follow, of a Christ follower, people can actually think, you know, that's a dangerous thought to like human flourishing. That's the, that's the world I think we're living in now. So before you read Philippians and go, so that's a long time ago. and I think we're experiencing some of the same stuff, Paul. And maybe one day sooner than we think, you go out there and start preaching Jesus, somebody put you in jail for something. So let's let the word be living and active. And maybe there's more in the, in the scriptures that can, that can help us. And uh, I appreciate this quote. Philippians continues to challenge us to reflect mature discipleship and to build up strong, harmonious communities of faith that are able to support their members in the face of an unbelieving world's attempts to erode commitment. That's the world that we live in right now. And the book of Philippians deals with that. And if we have ears to hear, we will hear the message as well. In the spirit of today, I really wanted to focus in on three people. You know, but really to get the feel of it is don't forget about Paul's situation. And don't forget about the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi is facing opposition, according to Paul. He says, don't be intimidated by those that oppose you. So that's what's going on in Philippi. So Paul's sitting in a prison. He hears about what's going on in Philippi. He goes, man, I need to to encourage them. And later on, you find out some women are fighting up in the church and he got to deal with that too but I'll let the next guy who's preaching deal with that message. <laughs> you got straightening women out in the church right there. Ooh, Jeff, you're going to get in trouble. Said, no, I'm not. I don't think I'm preaching that week. Amen. Um, but the reality is, just so you know, you crazy if you think there weren't women leaders in the church in Philippi. Just, th- just throwing that out there. You can't read Acts 16 when Lydia's the one that is the first convert and she's rich and they living in her house. You mean to tell me that, not, that she didn't have some influence there? Are you crazy? And then when he, when he writes that there's these women, argue, because they're influential, because they, they have a role in the church. They're not just slid over to the side. I mean, you know, we got we to gotta read the, you know, we just got to understand stuff like that. Um, what else is happening at the church in Philippi? They're struggling. All right. Yeah, you, you know, you can have the privilege to believe in Christ, but you know what? Guess what comes along with that? suffering for him as well and he you know he says you're having the same struggle that you saw I had and now here I still have so Paul's in jail not sure if he's going to get out and he's thinking about how's the church doing in Philippi let me try to encourage them let me try to take care of them and what I'm trying to tell you is that is the mindset of the Messiah right there I'm not overly concerned about my needs getting met. Let me help, let me go help meet some needs somewhere else. And we're going to hit that more and more. And now we're going to meet this guy. We're going to talk a little bit more about Timothy. Because now, guess what Paul decides to do? I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by news of you. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So this is Timothy. Timothy. So, Paul is hearing that they're struggling in Philippi. Paul is hearing they're going through some opposition. So, you know what? And Paul can't go. He can't leave. He's in jail. So, what does he do? He decides to send Timothy to go. And you go, well, who's Timothy, right? And and this is where I think we got to remember, these guys are not superheroes. These are regular people, all right? And Timothy, you could call him, you know, you might might even want to call him a mama's boy, all right? You know? Because... You know, in Acts, in 2 Timothy 1, it talks about him being really heavily influenced by his mama and his grandma. <laughs> Lois and Eunice, right? So he, you know, and he was spoken well of by people. He's a good look, he's a good he's a good boy. He's good. His mama and his big mama raised him good. This is a sweet, sweet Timothy, right? And and then later on, you know, Paul tells him, you know, hey, hey, you got a fan in the flame, man. God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. And, and hey, and don't be ashamed of me. So, so Paul writes this to Timothy. So did Timothy struggle with timidity himself? Maybe. Being ashamed? Maybe. And what about when, in 1 Timothy 5 when he says, hey, man, put a little wine in your water. You know, you get sick a lot. You need a little help. <laughs> He calls it your frequent illnesses, ailments, is what he says. That's what he's saying to Timothy. This is is Timothy. He's a regular guy like me and you, a regular person. He's just trying to figure out how to be like Jesus in a crazy world. But you know what I love about Timothy? It's not that he doesn't say Timothy's a great speaker. Timothy's a wonderful church builder. He doesn't say that. You know what he says? He cares about people genuinely. And he's willing to do whatever I need him to do. At one point, Paul says, Timothy, I need you to stay in Ephesus and I need you to teach some stuff so the church can get strong because there's some jacked up stuff being taught. Timothy stays. But in other times, he says, Timothy, Thessalonica needs you because I didn't have time to really get the church going. I'm going to send you to help it out. Okay, I'll go. And not to mention that when in Acts 16, when Paul came into town and he and Timothy hit it off. And maybe, maybe Paul was feeling a little lack because he lost Barnabas' friendship. And maybe he saw something in Timothy. I don't know. But Timothy was willing to get circumcised as a grown man to go hang out with. T- Paul, I say my brother, amen to you. <laughs> that might have been one of the moments where, you know, Jeff almost made it into the Bible, but <laughs> Paul had to leave him behind because Jeff was not sold out for the cause. But Here's a regular, a regular person. What about Timothy's wife and kids? What about his career? What about his retirement plan? I don't know. But let me tell you something. He was willing to do what needed to be done to strengthen other people. That's what we, that's what we about Timothy. When there's a situation, not because he's a great eloquent speaker, not because he's powerful, not because he's a mover and a shaker. He just cares about people really well. And he can teach the word of God. And he gets sick a lot and he's whatever, but you know what? He's willing to do it. How about we aspire to be like that? Not because, and not because the preacher said so. Right? I don't think that's what motivates Timothy. I think he saw it in Jesus. And he wanted to be like Jesus. Jesus. And that's what it means to be like Jesus, to care about people genuinely and to even be willing to put other people's needs above your own. Because here's a challenge to our church today because of our culture, you know, you can get your playlist and you can get your click here to get the news exactly how you want so you don't have to do nothing else. And everyone here just clamoring to meet your every whim and need as quick as it comes up in your heart. That's the way this world is set up. It's set up for you to perennially be Adam and Eve. See it, desire it, grab it. See it, desire it, grab it. You're being trained to be like Adam and Eve in the garden. See it, desire it, grab it. Looks good, probably tastes good, I want it. In fact, you don't do it quick enough, I'm canceling my subscription with you and I'm going over here. Because they do it better you got to be quick to meet my needs. If that's that's who you are, you are unchristian. I'm sorry. That That is not the community that Jesus died to establish. A group of people fighting to have their own needs met above and beyond everybody else's. That, that is not what we're here for. In fact, you're not going to get on your knees met here. So let me save you some time. If that's what you think a church is for. A church is not here to be like every other subscription service you have. Okay, I know it's counterintuitive. I know so many, I've heard people, oh, I'm going to go here because, you know, they have a great ministry for, you know, people that are 37 and that grew up in the Midwest. They set it up. <laughs> So grateful for that ministry. It meets my needs. We meet every Thursday and it's a, you know, I'm sorry. We're not going to sit here and just create a bunch of stuff just to meet everybody's needs. What, what would that, that's not a church, people. A church is just a, but imagine if you walked into this room and everybody had the mindset of Jesus. Seriously, think about it. Where you have surrendered yourself to the Lord. And you walk in here and you genuinely, like a Timothy, are concerned about other people's needs even above your own. What if, what if that's what this was? And you know what the fear is? But what if I don't get my needs fit? And that's, that's fair. But if everybody's thinking that, somebody's going to meet your needs. At some point. That's the beauty of the church. And that's not North River. That's Jesus. Before it's North River, it's Jesus. And if we're like that, amen. Here, if we could ever be like Jesus here, amen. And I think if more of us are like Jesus, then the right needs will be met. Amen that, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so he wants to send Timothy. And then he says in verse twenty-two, this, 21 this interesting thing. All of them are seeking their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. What in the world is he talking about? Maybe it's the same people he was talking about earlier that were preaching Christ out of all this other stuff. But then I thought, you know, Paul had to deal with some junk in the church. Yeah. Just, so you, just so you know, Paul had a lot of challenges even within the church, right? And so I don't know if that's what he's referring to, but I figured, you know, it, it's good to remind us that sometimes things don't even go great in the church. And you can open up your Bible and you can look up, like I said, he and Barnabas had a little bit of a, a parting ways. I don't think it was venomous. I mean, you know, I, I think some things. Sometimes things happen. You know, he doesn't badmouth Barnabas and everything, but it happened, right? And I'm sure it hurt on some level. And then he moves on. And then you read about guys like Demas in the Bible, right? A couple times, Demas is mentioned as a friend of Paul's, and then he writes a letter. Me and Demas send our greetings, right, in, in Philemon and in Colossians. But then, by the end of his life, in Second Timothy, he says Demas has deserted me. That hurts. Somebody that was a friend in the church. And later on in that book, he also says, At my first defense, no one really came there to help me out. You ever felt like people weren't there for you when you wanted them to be there for you? And <laughs> we were in the staff meeting, just a, a guy's kind of getting together in a D group, and we just read this passage. You know, I've been, this is Paul writing. He said, I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers in danger from bandits and we stopped that we don't think much about bandits right it's like we live in Cobb County it's like man I was at the Whole Foods parking lot man it was dark it was it was rough man I was scared (laughs) you you never know man somebody might be around there (laughs) in danger from bandits we don't know in danger from my fellow Jews in danger from Gentiles in danger in the city danger in the country danger sea and in danger from who wow man false believers that's almost where you draw the line you think no I can't but here's the deal you know what I appreciate about Paul he never stopped he stayed true to the faith he kept going he never—he didn't act like it didn't happen. He, he, he owns it. He's this, these are the things that can happen. This can happen to you, and it probably will happen to you. And trust me, if God could just zap every situation and keep somebody from hurting your feelings, I guess he would. But he allows things to ha- things happen. How are you going to respond, though? Are you going to retreat? Because, again, if you retreat and, and shut off, you know what you're basically saying is, again, it's all about me. It's about my needs. And when they don't get met, I can't be what I need to be. I can't give my heart. If you go jack with me, I'm not, it's done. we're done. We're done. And I just keep looking at people in the Bible. I go, man, but Paul didn't have superhero status. He was just—he was a yeah, he was an impossible. He was a person, Timothy, person. You, me, just people. You hurt people too, just so you know. That's the thing that we forget. When we get hurt, we act like it's the worst thing ever. Dude, you don't hurt somebody. What in the world have you forgotten? You didn't respond when you should have the way you should have. You let somebody down. You said something you shouldn't have said. You promised you and you didn't deliver. Right? I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. So why in the world when it happens to you, you're going to throw your hands up and I'm out. <laughs> Don't make no sense. If you have the mind of Jesus, you'll, you'll understand how to. And I think that's why Paul didn't quit. It wasn't bec- it was because of Jesus. Because Jesus had false brothers in his life too, namely a guy named Judas, still washed his feet, still loved him, still died for him, and that's who we follow. Telling you this is the truth. This is how you walk as Jesus walked. I know this passage ain't like the we've been hearing that the greatest book in the Bible and the Mount Everest of scriptures. I know we just talking about a couple of dudes. This, this, these passages don't, maybe don't, don't jump off the page, you know what I mean? Like some of the other Philippian scriptures. But I think they got a lot to tell us. I think they got a lot to tell us. We're going to look at one more guy. One more guy we're going to look at. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died. Let's stop it there. I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. So where's Paul? Who's taking care of him? Two people. Timothy and Epaphroditus. Who's he sending away? Timothy and Epaph- Who's going to take care of Paul's needs? Wow, is that what you would do? If you were the two people there that are most helpful to you, you're going to send them away so that they can do some things for other people. Wow. Again, is is Paul doing that just because somebody told him to, or does he have the mind of Jesus? And Epaphroditus, again, what kind of guy is Epaphroditus? First of all, I think it might have been rough playing ball with a name like Epaphroditus because... Hey, man, your mama named you after Aphrodite, man. You know what I'm saying? What's going on? A Greek goddess? You know, you a girl? What's going on? That's his name, Epaphroditus, named after Aphrodite, who's a woman. But hey, he was a strong brother. You know what I appreciate about Paul? You know what he says? He says, he's my brother. I like that. That's how Jesus, he, he wants us to be family. What role does Paul have? He's an apostle. He's apostle. You know, like that's a title right there, apostle, right? But Epaphroditus, (laughs) dude with a girl's name, right? He, I'm not ashamed of that. That's my brother. And he's my, and he works for me because I'm the apostle. He do what I tell him to do because I'm the apostle. No, what does he call him? Co-worker. And I'm the general of the army of God, and he's just a little soldier. No, fellow soldier. I love that. Church ain't about hierarchy. Oh, Jeff, yeah, he's a pre yeah, You really, get- no, you don't need to do nothing special for me. I'm, I'm a brother. I'm a fellow worker with you. I might have a different role. Okay, whatever. But that doesn't mean I'm like hierarchical, like, you know what I'm saying? That's beautiful. That, that's what the church should be about, right? We, we have different roles, but we're all thinking about the needs of other people and, and, and having genuine interest for one another as family. Not just as, no, this is blood, like deeper than blood. This is connect. This is the blood of Jesus that connects us and makes us family Co-work, yeah, there's work to be done, yes. This ain't no Disney World situation. There is work to be done, and sometimes it does feel like a battle. We out there battling, trying to live this life. You know, people making fun of us, calling us out on social media, people saying what we believe in is messing up the world, whatever, but we stick together. And I like this. Let's treat each other like that, man. That's what I like. And this dude almost died. Wow, I mean, that's... <laughs> Here's a regular dude that just trying to serve the church and almost lost his life. But what does Paul do? Paul sends him away. He sends him back. Man, Epaphroditus, man, go on back. I appreciate you helping helped me. The church, the church is discouraged because they they're concerned about you, Epaphroditus. Go on back. Um... And man, when, when you go back, I can picture it in my mind that they're going to they be so grateful to see you. And it's going to be good for the church to see you. And then you can bring a report back to the church and let them know, I'm, you know, I'm holding down. I'm all right. And, and that'll help them out too. So if I send you back, that's a double joy for the church in Philippi. And that's, and that's what I want to happen. And again, we go, but what about you, Paul? You're still going to be stuck in that prison cell by yourself and what I'm saying to you is check out this next part but God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow therefore I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again you may be glad and I may have less anxiety I like this again you know why I like this because it, just imagine if you were, let's say Paul was in your family group. All right? And he's sharing this stuff with you. What you gonna say to him? You can say, Paul, oh, sorrow. Well, you got sorrow and anxiety? Bro, you need open up your Bible. Okay, you know, see the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> I will say it again, rejoice. And it also says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition. is that what you would read to Paul, his own words? <laughs> Is Paul not reading his own writing? Why is he sorrowful? Why is he worried about being, this, why is his anxiety? He's supposed to not be anxious about anything. And this is where I go, see, you got you to understand something. Yeah, this book is about rejoicing. But some of us think rejoicing is like pretending like bad stuff ain't happening and just keep moving or not dealing with stuff and avoiding it. And then, and, and, oh, I'm, I'm just rejoicing. No, Bob says rejoice. I'm just going to rejoice. And, and no, that's not how it works. You know how it works is you're sitting in a prison and you, you're sorrowful because you don't have your freedom. And it stinks. And you don't even know if you're going to get out. And you, and you got other people got to meet your needs. You're a grown man. You know, that, you, you, you don't like it. All right, and he's owning it. I already, already got that sorrow. But now the dude that comes to help me out, Almost drops dead while he's trying to help me out. that make me feel sad. Some sad in jail, sad if the dude dies. Man, that would mess me up. He's just being real. And so I think that's what we got to learn. Yes, we can rejoice in the Lord always, but don't sidestep the sorrow of life sometimes. Don't try to avoid it, act like it's not there. The, the rejoicing comes when you, go, when you deal with it head on. When you go, no, this, uh, uh, this, God, I am not happy right now. God, this is how I feel. Help me through this. And somehow God does what God, only God can do. He might somehow reach you inside of your heart somehow and communicate something. He might use another person in your life. He might use a song lyric, a movie scene. I don't know. He'll get there and somehow through it all, when you're expressing your heart and expressing your discouragement, anxiety, whatever it is, your fear, whatever it might be, and you're, but you're taking it to God. God, I don't want to be here. Somehow he probably reminds you Jesus felt some of that too. And that's your Lord. And he dealt with it straight on too. And it hurt him. And and it, it was painful, and it was sorrowful, and he took on all the worst that this world could bring, and he just took it on himself, and it took his own life, but I didn't leave him in that grave. I took him out of the grave, and you will go through struggles just like Jesus. It'll hurt, but I got you on the back end. I'll pull you out. He walked out of the grave, you gonna walk out of the grave. Ain't nothing in this world can take you out. As long as you're with me, I got you. You will never be away from me. I am with you and can dwell within you. Let me in. Let's go. I got you. And then you go, that's true. Yeah, I'm still in this nasty prison, but I got God with me. I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this happen. I can rejoice through this. I can still have joy in my life, even if my circumstance ain't what I want them to be. I can let these two great men that have helped me a lot and I need them, I can let them go. And I can be grateful that they can rejoice. And that gives me joy too. Because meeting the needs of other people and taking care of other people's needs, even above my own, is the pathway to joy. That's the pathway to joy. It's not just sitting there and getting fed every day and just eating everything up. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful teaching of what Paul shows us and Timothy and Epaphroditus. Not one of them is thinking about their own needs. They're meeting the needs of others. Every single one of them. And they all are not complaining. They ain't grumbling. Because why are they doing it? Because the Philippian Church of Christ says that you should, know. Because they know who Jesus is and they want to be like him. And that's what changes the world. And I hope that we want to be like him too, right? And so maybe when you get together in your family group, you know, you guys can talk about it. um, And uh, talk about maybe you relate to one of these more than the other. Maybe a Timothy relates more to you or a paradise or whatever. Um, But, you know, maybe you can talk about that, you know. And maybe there's things in your, you know, maybe, maybe there are needs that you can meet around you. Maybe I can talk about that in your family group. Within your family group, maybe there's somebody else's need that you could meet. Maybe in your, in your neighborhood. Maybe at your job. Think about meeting other people's needs. And, and then the ones that you feel are so unmet, take them to God and, and, and see if you can rejoice on the other end when you make it through on the other side. Um, and so we're going to take the Lord's Supper. But what I want you to do as we take the Lord's Supper, I want you to remember a passage that I'm going to read right now as we remember Jesus, because I want you to see, did you see Paul, Timothy, or Epaphroditus exhibit any of this in what we've talked about? And I want you to think about this as we take the Lord's Supper, and I'll say a prayer after I read this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. We remember Jesus at this time and we are grateful, Lord, for the plan of him coming and showing us how to be human the way you wanted us to be human. To not just grasp and take, but to empty ourselves and to become nothing so that you can live through us. Father, I pray that as we take this bread that represents Jesus' body and as we drink of this juice that represents his blood, that it will not just be a rote activity, but that we will realize that there's truth in that broken body on the cross. There's a teaching about Jesus shedding blood that he didn't need to shed, that wasn't even because of anything he did. And Father, I pray that we can appreciate that, internalize that, and put that mindset on and remember that that's who we follow. First and foremost, is Jesus. And I pray that we can be grateful because Jesus didn't just stay on that cross. You raised him to a new life as you've done for all of us. And the victory is ours. (laughs) Your spirit dwells within us and, and that's absolutely what we can look forward to. And even when our circumstances may not be what we want them to, Lord. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us us not to be just so self-centered, but be willing to lay down our lives for the sake of others. Because that's the mindset of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.